It's not an understatement to suggest that the Ohio Players are one of the greatest bands of all time. And they are an American national treasure, a band that truly broke the mold and changed the face of music forever. Now, the Players produced 17 top 40 hits, three platinum and five gold albums, including masterpiece songs such as Skin Tight, Fire, Love Roller Coaster, and Hoochie Coo. Well, the Ohio Players' sound has been ingrained into modern pop culture, and their music has been used everywhere from McDonald's commercials to The Sopranos. And in 2004, the Players were given a prestigious BMI award for the use of the song Fire on the TV show Hell's Kitchen. And the Players also paved the way for the next generation of Funketeers. While samples of their music has enhanced the careers of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Ice T, even Beastie Boys, and JC, and a great many others. And their songs have also been covered by a vast array of artists, including Red Hot Chili Peppers. And after 50 years in the business, this group is still setting stages on fire and riding their own love roller coaster. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome original member and drummer of the Ohio Players, the legendary James Diamond Williams, to the show. Welcome, Diamond. Hey. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you've been the drummer for the band for 50 years now. How did the band come together in the beginning? Well, you know, the band came together in 1959. I was nine years old. I was nowhere around, probably in the second or third grade at that time. But um, they came together with uh, Marshall, Pee Wee, Satch, and Greg Webster were the four original members. Greg Webster was the original drummer of which I replaced in 1972. So they started the band. Uh, they picked up Sugarfoot around 63 or 64. And they picked up Junie Morrison, Walter Junie Morrison, who did the granny voice around 70 or 71, 69 or 70 in that time. And they picked uh, Marvin, Pierce, who was the trombone player in the band, they picked him up around 70 or 71, and I came in in 72. Uh, Junie left in 72, and Billy Beck came in 73. So that's how we all came together around that time. Well, since that time, how many member changes have you had? Because what, there's three original members left? I say, you know, in around this city called Dayton, Ohio, there's no, but when you walk around and you say, have you been a member of the Ohio Players? Nine out of 10 people say, yes, they have been. So the, the band has made quite a few changes, Dr. Bond, but we're still, we're still in existence. We're still doing very well at this time, present time. Well, who were some of the band's musical influences in the beginning? Well, I should say around when you joined the band. Well, when when I joined the band, you know, I mean, music was uh, just flourishing and, and great songs were everywhere. I mean, you know, we used to listen to Tower Power and Buddy Miles, of course. Stevie Wonder was around. Aretha Franklin was around. You know, there, there were individuals and at mo mostly doo-wop groups at the time. Before the Ohio players became in prominence, you had the Shy Lights, the Stylistics, the Temptations, the Rad Dramatics, and groups like that, such as that. But there were other artists that we listened to. At that time, artists could actually sing and play. You know, what a concept. You know, Aretha Franklin didn't have to have auto-tune, or Stevie Wonder didn't have to have auto-tune or machines to help them sing. They could do it on their own. It was a great time. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, and I think uh, for those who are true lovers of of music, uh, we're not getting to hear some of the true uh, voices in today's music. Like you said, a lot of it is manufactured. 
but we're not going to get too deep into that. But for you, uh, did you have any uh, uh, drummer idols uh, in the beginning? Are you kidding me? Yeah, there were there were quite a few. I mean, Gene Cooper, Buddy Buddy Rich, uh, Louis Belsom, all the guys that did, could just beat the heck out of a drum. You know what I mean? These guys just took drums and just pallored them. You know what I mean? Just beat the heaven loving H out of them. Those were my heroes. Well, you know what I love about the Ohio players is you. Not only were you the drummer. Y'all have two bass players, so you really bring that deep funk sound and that those bass lines uh, to life. Yeah, you know, at the time to to play funk, it was being, you know, just the beginning of playing funk, and the the combination of playing funk then was to for the for the drummer with his bass drum to match the bass guitar line in sync. Uh, so that doom 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 and skin tight is the exact thing that I'm playing with my bass drum. So it's sync, and then that was kind of like the beginning of funk to have those two two match. And uh, it's quite complicated sometimes for me, but we made it happen. Well, you did make it happen, and I kind of miss. Uh, you know, to me, they don't really bring you know the bass lines uh, forward uh, too many times anymore, and uh, sometimes I miss a little bit of the bass solos in in the songs that we used to hear in the past. Yeah, yeah, you miss a lot of that now. Uh, you know, songs are being kind of orchestrated a different way. You know, it's not too many too many funk songs out now. Not too many bands, as a matter of fact. You know. I'm, I'm looking for the resurgence of bands to come back. It's about time for bands. Bruno Mars had, you know, a great band, and now that Silky, you know, him and, and um, Anderson Pack have hooked up, you know. But but I'm looking for bands to make a resurgence. Well, yeah, I mean, we have artists like what Bootsy Collins and um, maybe Nile Rodgers. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. Bootsy's from our from our area here, not too far from Cincinnati, so we're very aware of him. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well. What was life like when the band had its first big hit song? Well, it was, first of all, it was unbelievable. You know, this is at a time when, you know, I, I got in the band, when I got in the band in 1972, I really never knew, because I'm from a little city called Dayton, Ohio, never really knew what a hit was. I knew what they were playing on the radio in Dayton, Ohio. But to know what a hit is, is to travel around the country and hear your music every day on 20 or 30 minutes on any station where you're traveling. Now that's a hit. The first time I knew what a hit record was, was when I was traveling with the band, going to Milwaukee, and uh, me and Mrs. Jones was out there in 1972. Me and Mrs. Jones, Billy Paul. Me and Mrs. Jones. And we kept hearing that daggone every 20 minutes on the radio. I said, man, this is a smash. You know, just, I mean, everywhere. Another song was, but before I got in the band, I didn't know what a hit was, but I heard the song, we vacationed one summer at Atlantic City and uh, here in, uh, under the boardwalk at that time. Under the boardwalk, out by the sea, you know, was on every 20 minutes coming from New Jersey to Ohio. So I said, dang on, I'm hearing this record everywhere. Tiny did I know that we would have one of those with skin tight. Now, uh, Funky Worm was prevalent. It was, it was good. You know, we heard it traveling around occasionally. But when Skin Tight hit, that was considered a smash, okay? And uh, it changed our lives, to say the least. It changed our lives. Well, which song became the biggest hit of all? Was it Love, Roller Coaster, or Fire? I don't know. I, can't, I kind of think it's a toss-up. 
when you say even even in advertisement and you know and all that stuff, movies and all that kind of advertising, fire and roller coaster have, have competed quite well together, being first and second. I couldn't call who's on first, who's on second. You know that old old scheme, who's on first, who's on second, who's on third, I don't know, whatever was on first, you know. Um both have done quite well for us. You know, I was I went on Spotify just to kind of use it as a as a gauge, and I was really surprised that Love Roller Coaster is placed at number one. I think it's over fifty six million plays, and Fire is over thirty three million plays. I'm thinking I thought Fire would have been number one out of those two songs. It said right, fifty six million plays. If I could just have a penny for each one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you have almost a million listeners per month, so the Ohio players are still as popular as ever. Um, of course, you know the band is known for its incredible uh, funky grooves. Uh, how has your your own drumming style evolved over the decades, and still keep that signature sound fresh? I'm still trying to evolve. I'm still trying to get faster and learn more things. Okay. Uh, that's a daily process at this age. Uh, but, you know, it's all about the beat, you know. The drummers are out now. you got a lot of great drummers that are flashing and playing a lot of stuff. But it doesn't make a good beat, okay? Playing a lot of stuff does not make a good beat. You don't hear that in a song. What makes a good beat is what makes your body move and where you can feel the rhythm of what's going on uh, within the song. And uh, we used to listen to... Uh, uh, Dick Clark years ago, not that we didn't listen to Don Kirshner or some other, other people, but Dick Clark used to have a, a segment within his show where we'd have these kids come up and say, what do you like about this song? And I would always listen to that, and most kids would say, well, I like the beat. Very few would say, I like the words, because who listened to the words? Some people would say, I like the groove, I like whatever. But in most cases, they said, I like the beat. And that kind of hit hard to me. It's like, well, the beat is important, and the beat makes you move. So that's what we kind of, you know, emphasize with it, with our, with our songs to make a beat that would make you move and, and to keep a beat that would keep people, you know, in time with what's going on. You know, you never want to lose people, you know, with what's going on in the song. It's funny how that you bring up Dick Clark, because I actually, I probably watched more episodes of Soul Train than I ever did Dick Clark. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, you're right. Don, Don Cornelius did a great job, likewise, but he didn't have that segment on his show. Okay, what well, do you that, like about the song? That's so. true, and I think moving into what the nineteen eighties, we had uh, what was that show called? Solid Gold. Did y'all ever appear on that? That's right. No, we did. I don't know. We might have. I'm not sure. You know, I don't, when it came out, probably not. Probably not. Well, you know, the Ohio, the Ohio players helped define the funk sound of the 1970s. Um, and, of course, it's been long-lasting since. Um, and then when uh, hip-hop really came into its own and became a national music genre, uh, how did the sampling idea work for hip-hop Many and knowing that many of those samples are coming from the, the songs of the Ohio players. Well, at first it worked very well for the samplers, not too much for the samplees, which means, you know, we didn't get paid that often from these guys using our music and rip, ripping it off for the most part. Uh, it was new technology. In some cases, we didn't even know we were being ripped off. It would be so cleverly disguised within the track. 
either the rhythm track or the melodic part that they might use from a song, it was kind of hard to find out who's using what and what's going on, you know? Um, kind of like these, you know, these, these things, these drum machines and all this technical stuff and this AI stuff that's going on now, you know? You kind of have to watch it and be ahead of the game or you've lost some, some daggone valuable stuff along the way, possibly. Uh, with musicians, uh, we were we were kind of being ripped off and not knowing who was using our stuff, and they had to kind of label it and let us know that they're sampling our stuff, and we had been sampled more times than we ever thought we were, as we probably are today. You know, that's what technology has done. Um, you know, you should have musicians. And listen, of course, everybody, every musician rips off somebody. Okay, I mean, I mean, music. We only have certain certain amount of notes, seven or eight. You know, rhythms are so only so complicated. Okay, we listen to other people. We cleverly disguise and steal, for a better word, things that we like to that we like that, that appeal to us. So it's been done, but it was been done. It's been done by people instead of machines. That's the difference. And uh, so it made a difference in the technology and, and, and being able to, to find out if your songs are being used and sampled as the case might, might have been then. But, you know, for the most part, um, you know, they say flattery is the highest form, you know, you know, that, you know, somebody imitating you is the highest form of flattery and imitation and all that stuff. And that works. That's great. You know, we're, we're glad to be of assistance as other artists have been to us. That's all we can look at. It. Well, I, th I think the highest form of flattery in the music business is the royalty check. Yeah, that's right. You know, to go to the bank is is the highest. Don't get me wrong. That's the highest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And Don't you know what? Well, Diamond, you're not the only one that I've heard this from where the whole sampling deal, you know, I get it. It's a great idea, but I think the yeah. artist need, they need to be paid on this, on the sampling because when the sampling is used, those who really know their songs and know their music can identify what song and what group or artist that actually came from. And I'm surprised that, uh, you know, I know from, uh, for a fact that if one artist wants to cover a whole song from another artist, they usually have to ask permission. Correct. And I'm surprised Correct. that with sampling, no one's asking permission. So if you're not asking permission, you're technically ripping them off. Correct. Again, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. The the situation dealing with this the sampling and even playing somebody else's material deals with a, a bar limit, eight bars, where if you if you play identical anything of somebody's origin, then you have to give you have to give them credit for that. Okay, of the eight bars, uh, we were a little negligent of having knowledge about that when we did. Uh, I think it was uh, sweet sticky thing. In sweet sticky thing, there's a part where we sing birds do it, bees do it, even you and me can do it. If you love me, oh, that's let's love. That's where it's at. In let's love. And that little birds do it, bees do it, came out of the Gone with the Wind, a very, very popular movie. And it kind of took all the daggone royalties we had from that song because we didn't alert them that we were using a line like that that was is very popular, and we had to pay for it. So uh, such such is life. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how the, the, the whole music industry has changed over the years. And I want to bring something up because uh, the Ohio players – in a way, kind of set an album cover standard. Back in the day, uh, it was considered a little racy with some of your album covers, correct? Risky, risky. 
Racy, <laughs> risky, yes. And, you know, we were on the edge, okay? We had evolved to the edge of porno and pro promiscuous prosecuity of people doing things and living lives. No, actually, listen, we thought about it. You know, Ohio players, a couple, you know, we're like, at that time, we were seven guys. We increased to nine after a few years, but we were seven guys, rough, crazy looking, rough guys. We were not going to make a good album cover, okay? We made good music, but not a good cover, okay? And we were conscious and cognizant enough to know that if we had a nice looking young lady on our album cover, it would attract eyes, okay? We're talking about being at a distributing house where they got thousands of records or whatever, whatever. And you want to catch the eye of these buyers. Well, we caught their eye, okay? And we thought if we could catch their eye, we could catch their ear next, okay? If they take it home, maybe they'll play this album instead of just looking at the cover. It worked well. Well, pro probably had a lot of uh, young boys buying the album and then hiding it from their parents. I was one of them, okay? <laughs> I was young. I was young then too, Dr. Bond. People tell me all the time, they say, I diamond, I grew up with your music. I said, I did too. Because I was 24 years old when Skin Tight came up. You know how guys grow a little bit later. I grew up a lot listening to our music and playing our music. A lot, you know. So such well, is life to grow. Well, did y'all ever get any flack from the design of the album covers? Of course, back in the day, it's not like it is now where we have social media and everything uh, is accepted uh, pretty freely. But back in the day... Um, you know, it was the album sitting on the rack at the uh, record store. Yeah, and record stores got quite crowded at that time when Ohio Players albums <laughs> came out. People would come and just pander and pine at them and look at them, lift them up and open them up and see what it looks like on the inside. It was quite, quite a good day. Uh, well, you know what? We we never got too much slack. You know, never anybody too much said anything negative about the album covers. How could you say something negative about, about, about the Honey album cover? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? You know, and particularly no guys at all. Okay, we never heard anything from any guys. If it was from if it was from ladies or women, they would say, you know, I'd like to be next or something like that. You know, and we had we had cameras out to you know, help partake in anybody who wanted to give us pictures or something like that. You know, we kind of say, hey, you know, we're taking pictures for the next shot. It was it was crazy time during that time, doctor. I can tell you that right now. We had much fun with those album clips. Never too much negative stuff at all. A absolutely none. Yeah, and to me, I think uh, most of the Ohio Players album covers today, they're still iconic. Yeah, people keep them around. You know, that's an album cover you don't throw away for some reason. You know what I mean? That, that sleeve right there is, is one that will be used for years, I would imagine. And thank God that, you know, our music is being used likewise. Oh, absolutely. Now, how many, you know, on average back in the day, how many uh, dates did y'all perform? Back in the day, I would think that we would probably have performed... Uh... I don't know, probably 96 to 100, 120 dates or something like that, that a year possibly, you know. We would go out for 30 days, 30, 40 days in a row, and, you know, in Europe and sail over in Europe and drive the Autobahn and go from city to city and things like that. And Heck, we'd come over to the States and tour the States. And, heck, we did, uh, we did uh, when Marvin Gaye crossed America, we did 20 shows with him. Likewise, we opened up the Dagon Superdome with the Jackson 5. The first show to open up the Superdome was us and the Jackson 5. And 
we were, you know, we were touring and we were in the studio. It was a constant move of music, either writing it or playing it. At, you know, within three or four years of our lives, of my life, it was constant music, constant music, constant music. It was just, it was just great, just great. Well, with all of the touring, uh, wh- who would you say is the most receptive uh, fan base uh, across the globe? You know, we, we just did a show uh, a couple of weeks ago at Detroit Music Hall. And my sound guy said, he said, his name is Johnny Watson. Johnny said, Diamond, I've never seen a crowd so energetic or whatever. He just just recently, you know, got with us. And he said, I've never seen a crowd so energetic in my life. I went back to look at it. And I said, man, that crowd was on fire. So, I mean, it's just every gig is a new gig. I couldn't tell you, Dr. Martin, we've done so many, okay? And, um, but... As memory serves and corrects, it will probably be the next crowd that will be the best, okay? Oh, absolutely. Now, um, talk about your drum kit a bit. How's your setup changed over the years, especially versus with all the new music technology that's available now? I have yeah, I have employed on my drum set a couple samplers. Well, just one sampler. Uh, and that gives me the siren sounds at night when we before we go into fire. I'm able to fire those back in my drums. And I've got some hand claps back there that I use on certain grooves. When I tell the crowd to clap their hands, I kind of give them some help with my sound back there. And I've got timbales and stuff like that that I fire. Now, when I say it's a sampler, I'm playing those parts. They're not being, they're not, you know, being, it's not on the sleeve. It's not just playing on us. I am actually playing the part. So, we are one of the only bands that are constantly still playing all of the music that you hear on stage live. Everything is coming off live. And no tracks whatsoever. That's amazing. No tracks, no stems, man. We pride ourselves on loving the instruments that we play and practicing them enough so that we can play them accurately enough in front of the audience. You know, uh, not too long ago, Wolfie Van Halen said that if you write the song and you play the song on the record, you should be able to play that song live. You should be. Now, how long you can play it is the thing, okay? And here we've been playing it for 50 years, so I'd like to think we're getting better at it. You know, practice makes perfect, so we're getting better at it. Well, I, you know, it's amazing that the Ohio player sound is still as not only iconic, uh, it's never aged. I mean, Millions of people probably can get the song Fire stuck in their head and walk around all day just kind of singing that one line. Man, I love all those people, okay? They're, they're blessed individuals right there, you know? Uh, we And again, we have been so blessed by having the ability and having a gift to have written songs such as that, man, that, you know, when you say fire, people only think about Ohio players. You know, there, there's been some other fire songs, don't get me wrong, but Generally, people think about Ohio players. When you think about roller coaster, you know, as a word, people think about Ohio players, you know. That's great. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's amazing. I look at ourselves as pharmacists of the soul, Dr. Bond. Now, Whoa, listen to that. I love that. Yeah, you, yeah, I like, we're pharmacists of the soul because we write soul music, okay? So I'm a pharmacist. Every day when I go to a concert, yeah for whatever we think is necessary for their soul, right? You know, at that time. So sometimes we write a prescription called Love Roller Coaster. Sometimes we write out one called I Want to Be Free. And it affects 
their their soul okay the people out there we know we're, we're part body spirit and soul okay and that soul is where musicians contact that's our contact to you okay so we use that as pharmacists well here's what here's what i love about the ohio players sound and like you said even today we don't get a whole lot of that sound yeah you know many thanks to bruno mars for really, you know, bringing that funk sound into the modern era. Nile Rogers is still tearing it up. But, you know, I miss the days of like, you know, Rick James. And then hearing songs like, you know, Kung Fu Fighting or Play That Funky Music, White Boy. The, the list goes, Brick House, I mean, the list goes on to where you really get that heavy, heavy, funky beat. And... And because of that beat, and because you're the drummer, you're the one that makes, you know, songs like Fire and Love Roller Coaster and the others so catchy. And, well, we just get them stuck in our head where they belong. That's right. Stuck in your head and, and felt in your soul, doctor. Okay. And uh, stuck in your head is great. You know, I mean, we as musicians, the Ohio players consciously made an effort uh, musically rhythmically vocally melodically to touch you okay to touch you either with the r&b or funk song or to touch but to touch <laughs> either sonically melodically so that we can touch you with songs but know that we're touching when we when we wrote fire we knew that was a funk groove okay we knew fire was a funk groove now we didn't know what we should call the song which is why at a time when we were writing it we were standing next to, I was standing in a room next to Stevie Wonder at a hotel in Los Angeles. And I, I, Stevie was playing tracks for me, I was playing tracks for him. And he would play, and I played for Stevie one night. I said, Stevie, listen to this track here. And it's the tracks for fire, it was the rhythm tracks for fire. And Stevie said, this, this track, he said, he said, Diamond, this rhythm track is so hot, you could call this thing anything. You could call it rocks or whatever, but when he said it was so hot, we said, we're gonna call it fire. So just, I mean, just the, you know, the notation and just the, the, the excitement of writing something like that and knowing that, you know, you have titles that will last. It's just amazing that these things. And when we wrote Love Roller Coaster, we wrote it with the conscious decision that we were going to write a pop hit, not, not an R&B hit, because that's not an R&B. That's not a funk, a drum track. You know, that, that track, that drum track that I use on Roller Coaster is herky-jerky. You know, that's how pop hits were then. They weren't straight. Now, you know, we had come out of a bag or the the music was changing right at a certain period of time, but it was going into disco, Dr. Bond. Remember disco came in with that straight beat thing, the bum, bum, straight beat. Well, that you can't hear no syncopation. You can't, you know, there's no there's no space there. So when we wrote Love Roller Coaster, we said, we are going to write a pop hit. And thank God we did, and and it was, and uh, everything worked out fine. You know, you bring up the disco era. I mean, how did the Ohio players uh, do during that time? Well, we didn't do <laughs> we didn't do too well at that time. Actually, we weren't a disco group. You know, we tried to write songs that were a la disco. Heck, rhythmically, it was easy. You just put your foot on bass drum, one, two, three, four, just keep it going. You know what I mean, like a daggone truck or something. But it, you know, it was limit. I mean, there was limits to disco. Rhythmically, there's all kinds of limits because you can't leave a space. You can't leave, you know, just constant that. 
um, it was it was monotonous. It was boring as a musician. You know what I mean? This over and over repetitive type rhythm going back and forth. It's like, this is crazy. This is not why I went to school. This is not why I took 10 years of private lessons. This is not why it was all city orchestra and band and music scholarships and free scholarship to Kentucky. This is not why I went to school for this stuff right here. You know what I mean? So it was almost like when I got in the band, and Funky Worm was the, the song that was out there. And I told you it was the first song. And I said, please don't let this be the band's only hit. Because this song is so simple and so ridiculous. It's not musically challenging. And then we started to write Skin Tight and some other songs that were musically challenging and engaging as a musician. Boy, was I happy. But uh, disco, disco was similar. I mean, to a point was boring. And we, we never, you know, really grabbed into that. So we kind of faded in, in, the, in the works. Well, what is your favorite player song to play? You know, um, it's just like having kids, Dr. Bond. Who's your favorite kid? I can't name my favorite girls. I got two girls. I love them both the same. As a matter of fact, my eldest daughter is a Broadway director. She's the director over the musical Wiz. The Wiz is out now touring the country and going to Broadway in April. My daughter, Shelly Williams, is the director of that musical. Um, my other daughter is the HR director over the Dayton Public Schools payroll, okay? So I've raised two beautiful, intelligent, brilliant girls. And which one do I love the best? Both of them. You're not going to get me there, Dr. Bob. I love them. So my, <laughs> no. my, record, my records and my babies are the same. I love them all. Well, let me ask you this, because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has not recognized the Ohio, player, the Ohio player's musical influence just yet. What are your feelings about that? I had mixed feelings. Years ago, when it first came, when Rock and Roll Hall of Fame first came out, I said, well, daggone, Ohio players are not rock and roll. So, I mean, it's justified. The people they were bringing in, I mean, come on. They didn't bring in all the people that I thought. And I'm sure there's some that they're left out in the rock and roll genre and, 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 and similar of things. But uh, when they started bringing in some other people, and there's no discredit, they obviously deserve to get in. Beastie Boys, the Heavies, or whoever these other people are, even some of these. When they started to do that, it's like, not daggone. I mean, rock and roll is, is in Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio, you get me here? It's like, Ohio players, you get me here? I mean, we've done everything in what, from my understanding, in all the qualifications to get in or to be inducted, we have cleared all qualifications. So my question is, what is the problem? Have you overlooked us? I don't want to leave here on this earth. There are four of us that have already left that I think should have been deserving in being able to get in before they left this place called earth. But certainly don't let the whole daggone institution of us leave before you bring us in. You know, it's, it's about time. D d come on, make it right. Bring the Ohio players in this institution. We deserve to be in there. Well, I can tell you one thing, ladies and gentlemen. You need to here's what you need to do. You just need to head over to the official OhioPlayers.com, and there is a link on their website to sign the petition to get them to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They are part of music history, and that's exactly where they belong. And uh, Diamond, uh, my goodness, you know. For you, uh, who are some of the best drummers in music in the music business today, besides you? Well, I thank you so much for, for, for your vote of me being uh, one of them. You know, I like tag on. It's my, you know, I had a friend uh, 
that played with Prince, uh, that there was a good friend of mine, uh, Johnny, and uh, Johnny Blackwell was a great drummer. I like, you know, uh, uh, of course, Dennis Chambers. Dennis Chambers is one of my boys. That boy can play his butt off. And, and uh, there's a lot of them, man. I don't want to have to start going through them because, you know, certainly I will miss some of them and they'll be calling me, asking me, well, why did you say me? You know, well, why did you mention me? It's just an oversight. That's all it is, guys. And uh, But there are a lot of drummers that I really like today that are doing a great job. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Are there any artists that uh, the Ohio players would love to collaborate with today? Uh, any young artists that, you know, some of these rappers, I would love to do something with Bruno Mars. You know, that's a band we'd love to get with. But, you know, I mean, we did a show a couple of weeks ago, actually. It was the first show that we've ever had the chance and privilege to play with him. And that was a group called Tower Power. And it was in Stockbridge, Georgia. It was a great show. Uh, I. With the Ohio players, are there any modern day artists you would like to collaborate with? Sure. Bruno Mars would be one modern day artist I'd like to collaborate with. Uh, uh, we A couple of weeks ago, we played with a group called Tower Power in Stockbridge, Georgia. First time we had played with them. Of course, that was a band that you we used to cover. I got to meet David uh, Garibaldi for the first time. He gave, did a, 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 a Facebook, a selfie, and said I was his hero, and I said, you my hero. We back back there slapping each other and hugging each other. It was just wonderful because uh, I used to play his tracks, you know, when I was with a band before I got with the, with the Ohio players. That's how long, you know, they, Tower of Power has been around in existence of music. And so it was certainly great to see him and play with him. I'd love to do more shows with Tower of Power. What a wonderful group. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to go out with, you know, Chicago. I'd like to go out with, we've never been out with Earth, Wind & Fire. We've never done a tour. It should be a tour going out with Earth, Wind & Fire, Cooling the Gang, and Ohio Players. What a show. We need to, you know, hook up packages like that. We've never had in existence, you know, since the 50 years I've been around. Uh, of course, we've, we've played with all, listen, it would be a treat to go out with Stevie Wonder. Are you kidding me right now? Now, we had the pleasure one time, and it would probably be, one of the the fondest nights that I ever remember in the history of, of me playing with this band is when Aretha Franklin called for us to do her holiday party at her house. Now, Dr. Bond, you're talking about a kid in a candy store or being there on Christmas Day opening up gifts. When I went and knocked on her door, she said, come on in, Diamond. And I went around and she said, honey, you can look all over my house because I was looking. And she said, you can go anywhere. And I did. And I asked her, I said, Riri, can I pick up these grammys? She said, honey, you open up and pick up anything. And I, it was just like, you know, it's just the best day of my life. The best day of my life. My wife and my daughters were in the kitchen cooking oxtails and whatever, whatever, with a Riri in the, in the kitchen. And it was just a great day. It was like, are you kidding me? We got paid well. What a wonderful day, something I will always remember, you know? So there have been great times and great days and in, in being part of this band um, and and great musicians that we played with. I mean, being out with Marvin Gaye and, and having Elton John when we was at the Hammersmith Odium and we were taking over number one spot on the R&B charts, knocking him off. He came to congratulate us that night in London. And it's, you know, just nights like that. Man, are you kidding me? Nights just unbelievable nights. Well, know. I think you may have answered my next question because I was going to ask you, what is your greatest memory of them all? 
There's too many to remember. You know, I'd like to keep my memory forever, but I'm sure I will forget some of them. There have been so many, uh, you know, magnificent, you know, uh, just just monstrous nights that we've been able to have within within our career and within my lifetime. Uh, so those that I mentioned before are a couple. Well, I tell you what, I mean, the Ohio players is still has one of the best sounds in music today. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to head over to the official OhioPlayers.com for all of their music, their tour schedule, and so much more. And again, and I've already signed the petition. So while you're on their website, sign the petition to get them inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've already done my part. I'm on that right. list. And right. uh, I want everybody else, else out there watching and listening to do the same. And uh, if you're one of those million uh, listeners on Spotify to listen to Ohio players, you need to be signing that petition. And we need to see them up there in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Look, they're called the Ohio players for a reason. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is where? Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. That's it. And Diamond, I want to thank you so much for sharing part of your musical legacy with us. I thank you so much. You know, when when uh, Martin told me I was doing this interview with you, Dr. Bond, and that you were into physicality, you know, and all that kind of stuff, I said, boy, I'm the wrong guy for that. You know, I eat too many baby roofs at night and, and barbecue chips at three or four o'clock in the morning. How am I going to say anything? But I'm able to stay, I, I will mention that, I'm able to stay in good, pretty good shape because I play drums, okay? And, uh, and I beat them kind of hard, and it works out for me. But it's truly been a blessing. And we really thank you and appreciate you for having us on this show. And and uh, and I've had some great fun. I thank you so much for your questions. You know, they've been very, you know, very insightful. Well, I want to thank you. And uh, it's always kind of funny when even, even I talked to Martin and I said, no, no, don't just uh, ignore the doctor part of uh, of my name. We have more celebrities on this show that you could shake a stick at. And we've covered so many different genres a music and say you've you've brought the you've brought the funkadelic to the show and I want to thank you Diamond for doing that and ladies and gentlemen look everybody's a fan of the Ohio players and look they're always going to be on fire so you need to catch the ride when they come to your town catch a ride on the love roller coaster that only the Ohio players can bring so ladies and gentlemen with that. Well, I want to thank you for watching and listening. And Diamond, again, I want to thank you for bringing the, the funk to the show today. If I brought anything, it's going to be funk. It ain't going to be no apple pie, Doc. I'll tell you that, all right? It's, it's going to be funk and uh, and maybe a good drum beat, okay? I'll bring that to the table, too, with the show. But I so much appreciate you having me, and uh, it's been a treat. Uh, we look forward to talking to you, hopefully, again. And uh, I'm bringing the funk. I'm going to continue to bring the funk. As long as I'm around, funk is going to live. So we appreciate that. If you have a chance to come and see us, make sure you do. I've just been said before, this Ohio Players Band is the institution. And uh, we're not going to be around forever. And maybe you won't be either. So catch us when you can. Hey, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. James Diamond Williams is always bringing the beat with one of the most iconic and legendary funk bands in the history of music the Ohio players. And ladies and gentlemen, as for me, I'll see you next time. Thank you, Doc.